This is Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bacon. This is the place where people from all walks of life share their anxiety stories to remind you that you are not alone. If you have an anxiety story you'd like to share, contact us at anxietycanada.com slash ouranxietystories. You're listening to Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast. I'm John Bateman. The uh, podcast can be found at anxietycanada.com slash ouranxietystories or any of your popular podcast platforms. Tom Power is a Canadian musician and broadcaster, previously host of Deep Roots and Radio 2 Morning on CBC Radio 2. In August 2016, he was named as permanent host of Q on CBC Radio 1. Welcome, Tom. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's nice to nice to be here. Thanks for thanks for inviting. It's a pleasure to have you here, uh, Tom. As I kick off all my podcasts, uh, what's your anxiety story? Um, well, um, when I was twenty four, I think I was twenty four. Uh, a bunch of things happened to me at the same time. One is that my uh, my father uh, passed away after a very um, a brief illness. We'll say about four or five months. Um, at the same time. Um, I got a new job, uh, as you mentioned, as the host of Radio 2 Morning. I was a touring musician before that, mm-hmm. uh, and I was hosting Deep Roots, but I was mainly touring and playing music. And then um, after that, uh, maybe a couple of months later, my I had to move to Toronto, away from St. John's, Newfoundland, where I'm from. Uh, so a tremendous amount of change, if you can really think about it, a tremendous amount of change at one time uh, to, to lose. I mean, the biggest, obviously, is losing my, my dad, who was my buddy, and I, I loved him and uh, a real attachment figure for me. Uh, kind of a lifestyle change, um, because only I was going from touring and, and playing a lot of music to having more of a, a, a job. And not just a job, but a job that started at like five in the morning. So mm-hmm. I often say I went from going to bed at five in the morning to waking up at five in the morning. And then, uh, and then leaving my hometown, which I was a big part of the community there, and I and I and I felt a really big part of the province, uh, to move to Toronto, where you know I, I didn't know I moved away from my partner, my my girlfriend, and there's a lot of a lot of changes happened at once. So, um, and you know, of course, you know, I didn't, you know, I had no language about how to deal with any of that. So then when I was 28, it's funny I don't actually talk about. It. I'm sure people say that say that to you all the time. I don't ever talk about this, but mm-hmm. when I'm I mean, 27 or 28, I want to say I was at my, um, I was at my birthday party, which I, I decided to have back in St. John's. I was home for a gig or something like that. And, uh, this is before I hosted Q and, um, on my 28th birthday, I decided to have a, a birthday party at a bowling alley in St. John's. And, um, I remember it was, it's funny. I was thinking about this this morning because I knew I was going to talk to you and I haven't talked about it in so long. Um, I don't know if I've ever really talked about what actually happened, but I remember having this, I remember having this overwhelming feeling that I thought might be like, I might be having a heart attack or I might be having a stroke or, but oh, I couldn't figure out what it was. Like, I couldn't figure out what it was, but like, I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't be present in the party. All I could think about was like, what is happening to me? Why am I feeling this way? Is my, right. am I having a heart attack? Am I having a stroke? What, what is going on to the point where like, I asked my partner to go outside with me and I said, I can't go back in there. I, I can't go back in there. And, and she said, well, why not? And I said, I don't know. I said, I don't know what the hell's going on with me, you know, but like, she said, maybe, you're, maybe you're going to get a cold. Maybe you're getting a cold. And I went, yeah, maybe I'm getting, because I'll tell <laughs> you, only, yeah. I had no language for what was happening to me. Like right. I had never, I, I didn't know what anxiety really was. I didn't know what any of this stuff was. And think about this. I wasn't exactly working in a place of an unprogressive place, right? I was working at the CBC for a long time at this point and never 
had it. There was, I had no idea what it was, right? So anyway, so the next day I wake up and, and I'm able to, like, the cold, maybe I have a cold thing sort of puts it at bay for a little while, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was able to sort of enjoy myself. And then when I woke up and I still didn't have a cold, I said, well, I don't know what's going on, but I was also hungover and, you know, and I was trying to figure yeah. it out. So I remember sitting at the dinner table with my mom and my family and just, I, I felt, again, I felt like this, this feeling that I was going to have a stroke or I was going to, I was having a heart attack. And, and, and as you know, the, the, the difference your brain feels between, uh, I think I'm having a heart attack and I'm having a heart attack are the same thing. Like, you know, in my mind, the panic I was feeling was the same. Thing, yeah, right? for sure. So um, I, I went to the hospital and mom was like, we should go to the hospital. And we went in and my heart rate was just through the roof. I remember they right. attached the electrodes in and I was uh, through the roof and the doctor came in and they were like, we don't know what's going on. And then finally the doctor came in and I was like preparing to have like open heart surgery. Yeah, of course. No, I was planning on being put on, you know, like, and I remember the doctor came in and actually do, 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 I, I hate to say this, but like it was kind of gruff. He was kind of like, cause he had been dealing with a lot, right? And the Newfoundland yeah. healthcare system was kind of overworked and no, no, no shame, no shame to him. But he kind of said, you got anxiety. That's all it is. Talk to somebody or take these. And he gave me these, uh, he gave me Ativan. Of and course. I took, yeah. I took Ativan for a little while. And then I was yeah. like, okay, this seems to be working. So then I went to see my GP while I was home and he couldn't really help me out. And he would just say, well, take the Ativan and, you know, mm-hmm. try to relax. And then, um, <laughs> And then when I got back, I, when I got back to Toronto, I went to my doctor and I, my GP, and I said, I think I'd like to talk to somebody like Mm -hmm. I I, I, I sort of, I think that might be the thing to do. I've heard that that's the thing to do with anxiety. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, but in my mind, I never wanted to talk to somebody because I thought that whatever, I I was very unlikely that someone um, in my mind, it was very unlikely that someone who did not come from a journalism background, a media background, uh, or even a professional arts background mm-hmm. would have found himself in the situation that I was in. And I figure whatever I had, I had to preserve. And I was worried that going to see a, a, a therapist would take away something that made me me, whether it's my sense of humor, whether right. it's you hear that all the time, right? Uh, I hear that all the time, even now from people. Yeah. And I said to, so anyway, uh, but uh, I was encouraged by, by some friends who I taught, I mean, it took a long time, but I was encouraged by some friends to say like, no, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. You should try it. You should try it. And I agreed to try it. Mm-hmm. I've stayed with the same therapist ever since. Amazing. And I, was, great. And I was quickly diagnosed with, uh, with panic disorder, mm-hmm. you know, so that my, um, my, I guess, because my dad had died so quickly that the time from diagnosis to death so quickly at such a tender age had given me um, the idea I mean, the veil was kind of lifted that, you know, the odds are, the odds are, is not, I think about that all the time that like when people say, well, Tom, the odds are that that's not going to happen. That doesn't mean anything to me. The, <laughs> yeah. odds that, the odds are that I was going to get this show are, are infinitesimally small. The yeah. odds are that my dad was going to die in like five months or infin- at such a young age or infinitesimally small. Yeah. So the odds don't mean anything to me. So um, I was diagnosed with panic disorder. Um, and then uh, uh, through treatment, I was able to get treatment. Um, and I'm sure you're curious about what that treatment looks like. But I, was I will be. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and through various treatments, uh, I was able to put that uh, panic disorder into remission, I would say in about eight, eight to 12 months after that. Yep. yep. Um, and then after that, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's an ongoing thing, but I've, I've been feeling really good. It's an ongoing, you know, it still crops up every now and then not panic. I don't really have panic attacks anymore, mm-hmm. um, but I still, you know, anxiety still is, is crops up every now and then. Yeah. So you, you previous to this, because you, like you say, you were performing, you know, I, I'm always curious about people I've interviewed broadcasters and, uh, and, and people who are on 
you know, on TV and, and do a lot of, you know, public speaking, that kind of thing. Uh, but they still have this anxiety issue, but you didn't, you didn't feel anything previous to that within, you know, previous, let's say the age of 24. Yeah. Uh, yeah no, not, 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 um, not before my dad died, except for once I realized, I don't know if you had this experience, mm-hmm. but I realized that I had a panic attack when I was about 24, 25, but I had no idea what it was. Like I didn't know what I had. I remember being in my house in St. John's and my roommate had left a glass of water out on the table. And I was so thirsty when I got home, I just drank it. And my brain started telling me that's cleaning solution. That's Vim. That's Uh, that's Javex or something like that. And I could not. And I I remember sitting down and like starting to come to peace with it being like, well, I'm going to die. I'm just going to die. Yeah, yeah. And I realized that this was the same time my dad was dying, but I right. didn't know what it was. I, and when I told my therapist the story, she was like, yeah, that's a panic attack. You had a panic attack. Like you, you, you started to, you know, and then, but yeah, so I think I did start, but nothing before 24. No, no, no history. Yeah. Yeah. Of anxiety attacks. Whatsoever. Interesting. It just goes to show that, you know, they, you know, because I bump into a lot of people who don't, who, who like you, it's kind of out of the blue at this age. I, I, I talked to a vast a majority of people who had panic at a younger age. You know, it started at a younger age. Me, it started at like age five. It's been oh. a long time. But I, it wasn't panic. It was it was anxiety in a different guise. You know, my first panic attack might have been 11 years old or something like that. And I, and I remember we could probably describe it. We would describe the exact same experience. You know, mine was the same thing. It was like where I was, I had to get out of. And Get, you know, excuse myself from that situation. So, yeah, I mean, let's, isn't let's, it powerful let, when you realize you can just stay there? Yeah, exactly. No, there's, no. yeah, there's, oh my gosh, there's so much, you know, it's, there's so much, there's so much power in, you know, I, I want to get into your coping or, or, you know, what I think counseling is a great idea. And, you know, I'm just, I have a quick, quick question about the uh, Ativan because I talk about medication a lot. I've been on and off different medications my whole life. Um, and so was Ativan, I mean, it's a benzodiazepine, pretty addictive. It was never really a big issue for you kind of taking that as, you know, as you needed to. I only took it for, I'd say about three or four weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, no, never. Uh, and I, I, I was sort of anxious about, about that. So that's probably I, healthy. That's a, yeah, that's a healthy, yeah, was, that's a healthy anxiety right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, was, talking about, yeah, that was adaptive anxiety. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, oh yeah. Uh, um, and I, and I, and you know what? This was this was the wrong. I want to point out what I'm about to say was the wrong mentality. But at the time, I was very resistant to the idea of taking any sort of uh, antidepressants or anti anti anxiety medications. Yeah, yeah, that's completely common. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, but it, but I want to. I just want to make sure I say out loud that I was wrong about that. And that yeah, it, it, you can. And people in my life have benefited greatly from it, and it's it's it, 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 it miraculously. Some mm-hmm. people very close to me, miraculously, but I know I never had any uh, issues. I think mm-hmm. in my late twenties, I, I sort of um, I started smoking a lot of weed. I think mm-hmm. I think I, in the nighttime because I was often uh, I was doing these morning shows, so it was like four or five. Wow. Uh, AM start day, and then you're off work at noon, and you're in your twenties, and everyone's going out, and you can't go out. You know what I mean? So yeah, you know, a way to just kind of turn the brain off a little bit, you know. And that was uh, so I was smoking a little bit, maybe too much weed, and as we all know, that can also. I mean, they don't, as they say, they don't prescribe cannabis for anxiety, so that doesn't uh, that didn't help me too much either. Although a lot of people do self prescribe prescribe cannabis for anxiety, and it's you know I've found in my experience talking with people like the last time I I had like a bad trip on weed maybe. 12 years ago and I didn't touch it since. Um, and I'm not preaching to people that you shouldn't do weed. I, you know, uh, all I'm saying, all I'm, I would preach to people is just be aware of how it's affecting you. There's some people who, who take it, you know, uh, and it helps their anxiety a great deal. 
And there's some people who take it and it exacerbates their anxiety a great deal. It, it just seems so unique to the chemistry that's going on. You're absolutely right. I think that it's, it has been helpful for some people in, in my life, but I think that, um, I, I think there exists a narrative that it's a wonder drug when it comes to this kind of stuff. So that people who are having a bad time with it, don't th- they think that there might be something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Um, or they think that they, they might have a problem or that they, not that they have a problem, but that they may not having, they, they may not be having the positive effects that everyone else is talking about. So what's wrong with me. And when I got a little bit, and I think I did that for a really long time. And it was mm-hmm. only when I stopped uh, smoking as much weed um, yeah, that, 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 I mean, I did, I realize what I was actually doing, which was mm-hmm. technique my brain in the nighttime. So I wouldn't have to think about anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to dig in a little bit to your, to, to your process of sort of learning to cope with um, the anxiety, you know, because that's one thing I, I haste, I, I don't hasten to tell people, but I'm always cautious to tell people like, cause I think this is true. You, you shouldn't look for a cure for anxiety. Um, it's kind of like looking for a cure for happiness or a cure for jealousy or cue for any of these basic emotions we have. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious about what your process was uh, in kind of gaining some control over it. Um, the, the, the most profound way that I um, was able to, so I was able to, to, to put the panic disorder in remission. You're right. I was able to put the panic disorder mm-hmm. in remission. The, the, the most profound way I was able to do that was through CBT, was through cognitive uh, behavioral therapy, through my, my therapist who specializes in uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. So I was learning about the idea that the, there were factors that were, ca- and I'm going to butcher this, but there are factors that are causing my emotions to be anxious, or causing the emotion of anxiety, which then mm-hmm. lead to the thoughts of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And what I was able to do was uh, through some lifestyle changes, but also through acceptance. Um, we did a lot of, yeah. I don't know if you did this, we did a lot of exposure therapies. So yep. I would sit, I would sit in a room um, and I remember I had a panic attack in the dentist chair one time. So I was given this, uh, I had a panic attack when I was given, um, I guess people would call it Novocaine, but whatever it is, the stuff yep. that deadens your mouth. And uh, because uh, I had uh, health anxiety, you know, um, I, uh, I, uh, so what we did was we sat in the room and she put the, I put the Novocaine oh, in the room really? with her and we just, and we just induced a panic attack. Yeah. Right. And did, did you successfully induce one? Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, that's, yeah, we that's a couple that, of them. It's amazing because, you know, one of the things that I've learned and I'm a CBT person as well. Wow. Um, one of the things that I learned to do with my anxiety was I would, I would schedule it. So, and I'm, I'm like you, like I'm, I'm health anxiety. You know, I, I, I was definitely more health anxiety issue than I am now, but, you know, learning to cope with learning to have these thoughts, these negative thoughts, and then, and then process them in a healthy way is, is certainly a big part of it. But, you know, I found that scheduling, I would schedule to be, to have anxiety and it never worked. It never worked. It was like trying to force yourself to go to sleep when you're, when you're tired, I, I would sit here and go, all right, I scheduled between 12 and 1230 in the afternoon. And I would sit there and I'd be like, Oh, I, I can't get anxious. Like no matter what I was worried, about, I just couldn't. 
but you managed to now was there was do you think yours was induced by physical sensation like yeah. that that's what it was it, like it was the, it was the actual physical sensation of the of the novocaine yeah i mean we did we did exposures we did exposures like that we did the those were the certainly the easiest to to induce yeah we would mm-hmm. um we used the novocaine on the mouth and that would you know i remember sitting in the room and looking at my therapist and going you know i would have to use numbers i would say okay i'm at a three now and then i'm at a mm-hmm. four and then a five mm-hmm. and then a six and i remember did it we did it a couple of times we, we did it one time with like a, a tightly a tight scarf to and we did that at one point and mm-hmm. we did another one something involving pretzel yeah i ate pretzels so my mouth was really dry and i couldn't get any yeah that was my that was the most fun one because i got to eat all the pretzels yeah yeah but um because uh, i really just an excuse to i didn't have anxiety i just wanted to eat pretzels in front of a medical professional but yeah. the dream of mine <laughs> since i was a child um, i made the whole thing up just so i could have someone watch me eat pretzels yeah I, yeah yeah that's your I, thing I, that's my thing so anyway so then i was um i i i, I took the I, I remember having the and i remember remember the moment I can picture the moment that I had the panic attack in her office yeah and I remember her just going like right it's, it's happening right now and I was like yeah and I was like <sighs> like yeah I was like eight like nine ten 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 you know these wow were numbers, you know yeah. and she was like cool cool sit hang out hang out it's yeah. okay you, you know we're, try not to drink any water just hang out just mm-hmm. keep on saying the numbers like ten ten <sighs> and then eventually it was like eight six yeah yeah four so then she did she was she's really she I mean she's incredible and she mm-hmm. um she showed me after it was over after i was down to like a two or a one she had timed it mm-hmm. and she said so just to let you know from the time you you started to exhibit the panic symptoms to the time that you told me they had abated was about six and a half minutes yeah she said, it- can you do six and a half minutes of a panic attack and i went yeah. She said, it's only six minutes. So if you start having a panic attack, just go like, Hey, in six minutes, this is going to be over. So I just got to sit through it. I think that's that, such a powerful piece of advice. Yeah. Yeah. It was incredible. Like just, can you do six minutes? It's just six minutes. You're not going to mm-hmm. die. So I remember being in the grocery store a couple of days later and um, it, was, it was back then anything could trigger it. You know what it's like, right? I was oh yeah. The- yeah. Sometimes nothing. Yeah, I was in the grocery store and I remember I went from like a, a a normal like the bread aisle to the frozen food aisle and I guess like my guess is like the temperature change mm-hmm. triggered something in me like mm-hmm. it's not logical and I don't blame myself so and then uh, so I, I started to have a panic attack in the grocery store and um, and then I just oh six minutes I just gotta wait six minutes and it was hard but I didn't leave. You and didn't, I yeah. My, I looked at my my partner and I said, hey, I'm just having a panic attack right now and and then she knew not to like check on me or hug me or you know just, yeah she, she knew that her response had to be like oh cool you know yeah. I'm sure I'm inside. <laughs> she was like what yeah what? I, you know? I guess it, I guess that kind of helps you know for lack of a better term uh, trivializing it to a degree yeah because ultimately that panic attacks really are when you break down to the fundamental they're they're pretty trivial um and they often come from very trivial triggers, you know, like you say, a temperature change. Um, there's, there's mine, mine would just seemingly arise out of nothing. And I, I would, I, I took the started taking to, and unfortunately, way too recently that I started really, uh, but it was because of cognitive behavioral therapy, thinking my way around it and thinking my way past the incident. So, you know, I'm having a panic attack now. And yeah, it, in a short period of time, it's going to be gone and, and then I'll fall back asleep or whatever. And then I'll get on with my day. Yeah. And it's amazing how powerful that is in terms yeah. of just, just rationalizing with yourself. I'm paying attention to your body. I remember during when I would have a panic attack, I would go like, Oh, my, my, my uh, lungs are starting to feel this way. And my shoulders are starting to feel a little bit. Um, that's maybe the most profound thing that happened. Like my shoulders are starting to feel a little bit tingly and my legs are starting to feel tingly. And my Isn't that great? If you're, if you, if you are prone to thinking you're having a heart attack too. 
Yeah. You know, like panic attacks and heart attacks, they all feel so that they can feel so similar. And it's, but, but by being mindful of my, of my, um, by being mindful of my body, uh, I was able to kind of put that stuff. Um, I was able to kind of put that stuff away a little bit. And then, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that, that happened for a while. I was doing pretty good for a while. Then I got Q and when I got Q, it was, it sort of sent me down a, a pretty bad spiral again. Um, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you know, it was, it, it was a big, I had gone from relative obscurity on radio too. I mean, you know, at the time, my, my, you know, my show was, I always loved it because anyone who heard of me liked the show, but most people hadn't, you <laughs> yeah, know, right. yeah, I, yeah. I didn't have to worry about anyone not liking the show because you either didn't listen to it or you liked yeah. the show, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Small, mighty crew of nerds. But now you're open to, to everybody and you're open to, you know, some historically, some big shoes. Uh, you're right yeah. about that. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and open to public admonishment and public criticism mm-hmm. and, and becoming a symbol and becoming, you know, um, you know, you, you, you felt this, I felt this incredible burden. I felt this incredible like pressure. I felt, you know, and more than anything, um, I, I was checking the internet a lot. I was checking Twitter a lot. I was checking Twitter a lot to see mm-hmm. in, in that people were very unkind or, or people were really, really kind. And that was its own kind of pressure. And I remember going into bed for like two days, honest to God, like not yeah. really getting out of bed and going yeah. to see my therapist. And, and we kind of worked through that. And I'll tell you something now, here's something. Um, mm-hmm. I ended up having a panic attack on air twice i was gonna ask you that yeah that so so you know did, did you did you did you have were you prepared for it you know did because I, I don't know how you function when you're when you're working uh you know i'm sure there's notes and stuff that you do have but how did you navigate a panic attack on air first one was with the film director guillermo del toro i mean that seems like such a long time ago now but the film mm-hmm. director guillermo del toro mm-hmm. um who and it's funny you know you can't really tell but i remember again i would just i learned that panic attacks weren't going to be the end of the world and i was going to be able to get through it and the yeah. worst i used to say I, we used to do this role playing with my therapist where i would say like what if i have a panic attack during the interview and she'd say well then you say i'm having a panic attack during the interview what, mm-hmm. what's the worst that can happen and i was like well the worst that can happen is uh uh and she would say go ahead and i would go i don't know someone gets mad at me she's like who's gonna get mad at you for having a panic attack yeah I, yeah I would go you're right and she said what are the guests she's like just tell the guests you're having a panic attack like they're gonna get it like they don't get it they can you know yeah yeah so, I remember, so, so that just took some of the stakes away so then i had the i had um i had a panic attack during the interview and you can't really tell all i did was ask a question that didn't mean anything like all i did right. was ask a stupid question i just kind of went right. like uh, uh what, what, what was that like you know just kind of yeah. like yeah i think what i said was we were talking about frankenstein and i said you like frankenstein and then i just like gave myself a couple of minutes and paid attention to my body and paid attention and to and, and he cooperatively riffed on that for you he had no idea and he was fine he was good fine. good um, yeah yeah so that was fine and then the second panic attack i had was far uh, worse which led to like a sort of other, uh, a, a second treatment plan mm. in addition to CBT, which has been incredibly beneficial for me as, as well with these two together. See, I'm good. I'm good at building suspense. Hey, yeah, you uh, are. Yeah. yeah it's good, good radio move. There. Yeah. Um, yeah. Excellent. So I, I did, um, you're just trying to get people to the next 15 minutes. So I did yeah, this, um, sure. <laughs> I did this thing where, um, so I was on air. Uh, do you know Matt, Matt Murphy from Halifax? Yes, I do. Yeah. Matt Murphy was a band called super friends, perhaps. Yeah, Matt. Matt was directing the show at the time. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I remember being on the uh, on the air, and I was. It was during the pandemic, and I was back in Newfoundland, and I was just kind of stressed, and I was dealing with a bunch of stuff. And yeah, 
I was probably smoking weed again and yeah. in the nighttime, you know, and probably not taking care of myself. And I remember going in and, and, and on the air and I was in the middle of an interview with Catherine Reitman and she still doesn't know this happened. Um, mm-hmm. That in the middle of the interview, I just, I texted Matt and I said, I'm having a panic attack. I can't keep going. I, I can't stop. I can't keep going. So while you're talking to her, you're, live, you're simultaneously live. You're talking to her live and you're simultaneously texting to your producer. Yeah. I have to go. I wow. Have, I'm having a panic attack. And he said, he said, finish the interview. I'll figure it out. Okay. And yeah. We had 20 minutes scheduled for the interview and I did about eight. And oh, that just played music. And I got, I just got through it. And I, after the show was over, I just left. And um, then my, I, I talked to myself. So and then I, I realized that, that CBT alone wasn't going to be CBT while not also having a healthier lifestyle was not going right. to help me with my, now mind you um, was not going to help me. And mm-hmm. that's when I, I made some, I made some pretty profound changes. So, you know, one is that I, I stopped smoking weed. I stopped smoking weed in the nighttime, you know, mm-hmm. um, I stopped drinking as much. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, used to. Um, I started making sure I was waking up at a reasonable hour every single day. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, would, I would tend to wake up early for the show on, the, on Monday to Friday. I don't have any kids. Right. So I would, I would yep. sleep in a little bit on the weekends. I regulated my sleep. Um, but the main thing I did, the biggest thing next to CBT. CBT, I can't recommend this enough just because I know people are probably listening to this wondering what I did. CBT is for me was the greatest thing I ever did. Yeah, me too. Me too. After that was, was mindfulness and meditation. And when, Mm -hmm. when my, when meditation, um, entered my life, I've done it every day for two years now. What does it look like for you? I do. I do. I mean, I do traditional. You'll uh, sit down. I sit down every morning before the show for 20 to 30 minutes um, mm-hmm. with a timer. I've done courses, you know, I've done the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. I, I yeah. use the 10% happier app. And yeah, um, I, 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 I sit in a, I sit in the, on this couch actually. And yep. With my eyes closed with a timer. Um, I do a couple of different versions of, of mindfulness meditation. One is the kind of traditional concentration insight meditation, which is where I pay attention to my breath. And if I have a thought, it, it, um, I go back to my breath and mm-hmm. that's been really, really useful. And that, that was the first thing I did. Um, I've also been uh, really into uh, what they call choiceless awareness, which is natural awareness, which I find really good for people with anxiety because it, it's a, it's hard to explain. I mean, this is all hard to explain, but it, yeah, I, can, I can give you an example of it. It's that you're paying attention to your breath and then you 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 spend some time paying attention to the sounds around you say the fan in the room or the noise outside Mm -hmm. then you pay attention to like any tingles in your body like how your body feels in that moment any emotion you might feel you pay attention to your thoughts you pay attention to your feet on the ground you pay attention to each of these things individually and then at one point you put them together and you, yeah. just, you just, you, you put your mind to anything that's drawing your attention, whether that mm-hmm. be your shoulder, whether that be um, a sound, whether that be, and all of a sudden life seems to be unfold. You realize that life is unfolding on its own and you mm-hmm. are able to observe it as opposed to being caught up in it. So I do, uh, that's from a, a great professor at UCLA named Diana Winston. Um, her book, the little book of being was really useful to me and her, right. her meditations around that. And then I also do loving kindness meditation, meta METTA meditation. Meta, right. Uh, which is, um, you know, which is the, the harder one to talk about, I find, but it's, it's, it's some ways it's the more profound one. Yeah. Um, that is the wishing um, health and happiness and, um, and safety and peace to yourself, to people you love, to an individual person that you love, to an individual person that you hardly know, to an individual, individual person who drives you crazy. And then to, to all my, of yeah, my sister started using that on me because we were still in that, <laughs> we were still in the habit. We were adults of me kind of going and, 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 
poking her and trying to get a rise out of her. And she would give me, may you be filled with loving kindness. And of course that threw me into more of a rage. Yeah. Well, she would say it it silently to myself. She said it to passive aggressive. Yes, exactly. She said it to me to get, to get me more wound up (laughs) and it worked. You know, I do, I do something similar that I learned. It's uh, it's the five, four, three, two, one. So it's five things you see. Uh, four things you feel, three things you hear, two things you uh, smell, and one thing you taste. Yeah. You, you cycle through the senses. And I use it quite a bit when I'm driving because, you know, I find that, you know, when I'm doing things or I'm going into what is more of a, uh, you know, a potentially stressful situation, um, you, you hopefully you're at the point you, now with interviews where you're not running into that with certain people coming in. I, I know I certainly would be. Um, you know, probably a little bit with this interviewing you because you are the benchmark interviewer in my, in my books. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And, uh, and so, yeah, so I, I would do it, you know, if I was driving traffic, getting keyed up, whatever I cycle through that kind of, that same kind of thing. I tried meditation. It didn't work for me, but I think it's really important that people try all these different, these different things. And I think it's a very important point that you, Yes, CBT works, but it has to be supplemented. And it's, you know, circling back to the medication. Um, I think medication is a must for so many people. It's been a must many times for me in my life. Um, But you still, it it has to, if you want long-term success, it has to work in conjunction with other things. Yeah, I often say they're not, whether it's CBT or or, or medication, they're not vaccines against anxiety. They're not vaccines against depression. It doesn't mean then that you can do whatever you want Mm-hmm. It just get, I find with CBT just gets me back to the level that everybody else is at. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's not, and then I have to do the lifestyle things like everybody else has to do to ward off anxiety. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so that's the, the, so yeah. And, it, and the meditation, I mean, I'm happy to tell you that, you know, since the, the meditation and I, and I also want to say that what meditation is, is different to everybody. I mean, some people it's to, to some people it's, um, like me sitting on a cushion, mm-hmm. counting my breaths. And I, I get a lot out of that because it also helps me access the spiritual side of myself, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. for, for some people it's, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do meditation. And I, I highly recommend exploring some of these apps because they can teach you different ways to, to, um, to get into it that are not too, not too snotty. Yeah. And I feel that I feel that mindfulness is even a wider scope of things, Um, you know, because the big example that my counselor would give to me would be to engage in mindfulness. The big one that they would say was washing the dishes. So, you know, how it it feels on your hands, you know, the texture of the water, the heat, all that kind of stuff. And you can really incorporate mindfulness in just about everything in your life. Yeah, you really can. It's been it's been that has been the I'm happy to say that I haven't had an incident since that day on air. Um, yeah. I haven't really had any panic since then. And, yeah. um, and it's been, it's made for a richer, it's not to say there haven't been dark moments and it's not to say there haven't, there haven't been anxious moments. Um, and there still haven't been like nights of anxiety, but mindfulness has also allowed me to like be aware of them. Like even just the other night I was here by myself and I started to feel a little bit of anxiety, but what I was able to do was realize that I was feeling anxiety. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that I was going to die or I didn't mm-hmm. think that I was, or that something bad was going to happen to me. I realized through mindfulness that what I was experiencing was anxiety. Yeah. And sometimes it is just a physical experience. And, and I find that a lot of people get trapped in chasing down what that feeling is caused by. And, and when I, oh, have, yeah, yeah, man, yeah, when I've, big. when that's I've big, historically yeah. chased down what's it's caused, I've, often grab the wrong thing. 
yeah. then I get into sort of a ruminative state and, and I'm and there I am having anxiety about something that just was triggered by uh, the burrito I ate. It doesn't matter. Like, it, it, like, it, like if you're if you're getting chased by if you're getting if a car is about to hit you, it doesn't matter like why you went into the middle of the street or why <laughs> yeah. the car is about to hit you, what the driver's thinking. All that yeah. matters is that you're getting about to get hit by a car and you got to get out of the way. Yeah. Like, yeah. I find that I find that with anxiety, I spend so much time trying to figure out why, like whether it was about my dad dying or whether it was about anything. I don't still don't, you know, like yeah. there's a lot of factors. There's a lot that goes yeah. into a life. There's a yeah. lot of factors that probably have led to me having a higher than other people, maybe a higher than other people uh, mm -hmm. case of anxiety. I don't even know if that's true. I just think uh, that you, I, you, am, I just think that I have had access to the privilege of working at the CBC to a really good healthcare package yeah. and that if any if everybody else in this country was able to get the same health care that i'm afforded then then we would a lot of people would realize they are what they're experiencing what they might be drinking through what they might be getting through is actually anxiety or, or is actually depression but the, the fact of the matter is it didn't matter why i was having it all that mattered is it, is it got it, it was treated for me yeah like, all yeah. that mattered is that i was able to cope with it and treat it as mm -hmm. opposed to trying to figure out why i, had I it. think it's such an important point it's it's important to to realize to understand that why you're having it at that moment for whatever trigger might have happened recently is important but it's also important to remember we get caught up in this culture of of therapy and i believe 100 therapy and i believe in going back and regression therapy but i don't believe that there's necessarily always something you know i had a trauma i had traumatic stuff in my childhood too and i talked about it to probably 10 different counselors and ultimately, it didn't make a difference. I think, you know, certainly mainstream media has played a part in the goodwill hunting. It's not your fault. You're all better um, because that's not true. Uh, that might happen once in a while. But I really think it's what you're talking about. It's important to get into the structure of it and how it works and how to navigate around it and and, and work with it rather than going in circles with with what might have happened to you in the past. I think that if you have experienced core shame or core guilt, um, you can, you can, uh, I, I've been told that you can, by looking into your past and, and looking into mm -hmm. um, uh, some early attachment or some early childhood stuff, you know, it can be, it can be very useful for you Yeah, and it can help. It can help, but, I'll, I'll, but what it can do is help you be aware of the fact that you, that you are experiencing something, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. And, uh, but at a certain point, especially when it comes to anxiety and depression, at a certain point you have to treat you have to treat it yeah yeah and um and that's what therapy has been really good for me too yeah i was under the impression also that therapy was it was i was gonna lie on a couch and someone yeah. was gonna go so tell me a little bit about you know <laughs> yeah and they yeah. didn't yeah um, that's, that's they, hollywood yeah they, yeah they said let's let's figure this out and here's how the brain works and yeah and so here's what we're going to be able to do and you know yeah. medication is an option and there's nothing wrong with it if you want to do that too you know yeah. it was yeah. it was but again, I can't stress enough, and I'm going to be a broken record, and I'm a broken record about this every single year. How did you know I had anxiety, by the way? Do I think it's because of the show? Uh, yeah, I, it had been mentioned. And uh, and it, I don't know if you mentioned it on the show or it was, I, you know, because I'm pouring, I'm always pour, reading about anxiety and people with anxiety. And once in a while, people pop up that are more, you know, are have more, have a higher platform or yeah, more notable. Sure, sure. and, and that's well, where that was intentional. Up. I mean, um, I, 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 I I think back to that story I told you when I was at the, um, I, uh, I think back to that story I told you when I was going into the bowling alley mm -hmm. and, um, and I, I didn't know what it was. I just didn't mm -hmm. know what it was. And I was 28. I was grown up. Yeah. I had worked at an incredibly progressive organization and I had worked in the arts my entire life. 
Yeah. I was not, I was not surrounded by toughness. Mm-hmm. I was only ever surrounded by gentleness and understanding. I yeah. was raised by parents who were kind and generous and wonderful and understanding. And I still didn't have the language. Yeah. And, and I thought that going to therapy was going to mess me up. Mm-hmm. So I have tried in any way to just in an interview, whenever I can just go, um, yeah, I know. I know what you mean. Like, yeah, I, used, I used to, yeah, I have a bit of that myself, or I remember when I did this with myself, you know, and, and it's been really useful, you know, and I've had people reach out to me and say that like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're talking about it. Cause I've been feeling that, a bit that way myself, but I, I, but I always say in the tweets or in the, uh, uh, when people talk to me about it, I always want to make sure I'm clear about this. The reason, and I'm going to be a broken record and it has nothing to do with your show. <laughs> yeah. the, the reason I was able to access treatment is because I have an insurance plan through the CBC, yeah. which allowed me to pay for cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. And if we are serious about addressing the mental health crisis in the country, mm-hmm. we have to ensure that all Canadians have access to the same mental health help that I did. 100%. I, I, I'm with you on that 100% because the, the, I feel like mental health is also anxiety, depression is also a sort of a linchpin for a lot of other things that end up burdening the mental health, that the, the health system in general. Yeah. And I feel like education, you know, and, and I feel like what's really, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's there, there to me, it's a, it's a, it's a, what, one of the great things, about when I started becoming transparent about my mental health issues is it really helped me. First of all, it took all the weight off my shoulders, but it also helped a lot of people. And, and, um, what you do, of course, doing this, this show with me and, and mentioning on your show goes a huge distance in really helping people because the, you, you said earlier, you don't know, um, if you're, how many people are like you and I can vouch by all the people I've spoken to that there's a lot like us, you and I, and, um, and Tom, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about your experience. Uh, and I, I'm really, you know, super happy for you that, that you've found a way to navigate through this and, and live with it and, and, you know, have a fulfilling life. I appreciate that. And I, this is, I think this is really great work you're doing here. Yep. You know, um, I think, um, I think it's also great to be able to have an honest and, 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 and have a laugh and joke around about it. Cause that's another totally. thing I find that I find that sometimes even my own discussions around mental illness on the show can be mired in sort of this deep. Yeah. It, it, and it doesn't need to be, to be honest, be. very CBC sounding thing to be honest. Very yeah. separate, it's partly our fault. Was that, honest. did you just put your deep, your CBC yeah, voice yeah, on? Hey, so you've been experiencing anxiety. I was like, <laughs> oh, it's just this part of my life. I can, I have told that panic attack story on the air story before in yeah. a jokey way. Like yeah, I've got laughs at bars with that story, you know? Yeah, you you have to be able to do that. Yeah, And, and it's an important element. Uh, Tom, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to do this and all the best to you in the future. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Okay, take care. Thank you for listening to our anxiety stories. If you'd like to support this podcast or Anxiety Canada, go to anxietycanada.com.